Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. We are your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. Let me do the usual spiel at the beginning here. Please do interact with the product somehow. Whether that's in the form of a written review, a star rating, those... If you're listening to this on iTunes or you through Apple Podcasts, again, I... Sorry, I think I, it's made iTunes the app and po- Apple Podcasts like the subgroup. I forget exactly how that went. Uh, I clearly do not have a Apple product phone or I would know the difference, so I apologize. But uh, if you could just uh, you know, give the show a rating and preferably a review, uh, a written review would be nice. But if not, at least a star rating. It's one of those things that and, you know, potential uh, advertisers look at in particular is uh, the number of reviews on Apple Podcasts or on iTunes, so if you could, please, that uh, I, that would help a lot, so thank you very much. Anywhere else, just subscribe. If you can like the individual episode, please do so. Uh, share around with your friends, family, acquaintances, enemies, and otherwise. It always helps, so whatever your social outlet of choice happens to be, be that one of the multiple web-based outlets or someone you know in real life. I don't really care. Uh, it all helps, so thank you very much. On the agenda for this evening, how this coming? There was no event last Saturday, uh, a rare off day for the UFC. Uh, this coming Saturday, however, we have UFC on ESPN plus 50, which is uh, yeah. it's a card. <laughs> we'll go over it and see what we man from the main event on down. That's just a weird card, so we'll go through that. Uh, we have some news. Coming out uh, that you know deserves to be there's a little bit of discussion. Not nothing. I don't think anything too tremendous, but enough. You know, there's pieces worth discussing. Uh, I mean, one of the best bantamweights slash flyweights in the world signed with a new promotion, and uh, we've uh, the UFC signed another couple of another couple of people. So I mean, we got we got a little bit of stuff to talk about. All right, with that in mind, let's go right into the action here. UFC on ESPN plus 50, your main event. And proof that this is a little bit of a what-are-we-doing-here card, Anthony Smith versus Ryan Spann. Now, this is I say that not to say anything negative about either man. Anthony Smith has headlined a few of these Fight Night cards, and I believe technically technically a pay-per-view. I mean, he, he and John were the main event for 235, I seem to recall. Yeah. Yeah, they were. So he's technically been part of a main event of a pay-per-view that was fairly successful, I seem to recall. Uh, we don't have a buy rate listed here, but at a really big gate. Anyway, so he he's... And then since then, I mean, he main evented a few fight nights before that when he beat Shogun in the news, Demir. He has main evented everything else except for his most recent fight, actually. That's a heck of a run for him, believe it or not. I mean... So starting at UFC, his fight with Shogun, UFC, uh, need to do, what number was that? Uh, fight Night 134. That was him and, uh, that was him when he stopped Shogun violently. He then main events for the next Fight Night, uh, one, his next Fight Night, 138, when he beats Vulcan Uzdemir. Main events for the title at 235. Main events of Fight Night against Alexander Gustafsson. Main events of Fight Night against Glover Teixeira. Main events... A fight night against Alexander Rakic, main events, a fight night against Devin Clark, and now and then at UFC two sixty one he was just on the card when he fought Jimmy Crute. But he's a that guy's been kind of a staple 
lately for main eventing these fight night cards. Uh, unfortunately, he's fighting... I shouldn't say unfortunately. Again, I'm not here to bag on the guy. Ryan Spann is not a bad fighter. I mean, for crying out loud, he has one loss since joining the UFC. And... Okay, if we go back... Like, since... He only has one loss since... Uh, starting in the year 2018, he only has one loss. If you go back into 17... He only adds two more to that. One of those, a split decision against Trevin Giles, and one he got knocked out by Carl Robertson. But he's not a bad fighter by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, he's just kind of a there fighter. Uh, which is, at this point, kind of true of Anthony Smith. I mean, minor career resurgence notwithstanding. Smith's won his last two fights, both by stoppage. Uh, he submitted Devin Clark... Uh, they had the doctor stoppage between rounds for Crute. Something on Crute broke. I I can't remember what it was. Uh, he couldn't stand. I mean, he, he basically couldn't stand up and walk. He was limping everywhere after taking some leg kicks. That was an odd fight. I, I remember it now. Because Smith was landing those leg kicks, and every time he did, Crute was jabbing his face up. Like It was really just a question of... Is the jab going to deter Smith or, you know, cut him up or potentially even hurt him before the leg kicks out up to the point where Crude is in real trouble and, well, the leg kicks added up first? Uh, it's just... I have a really hard time caring about this fight. I have a really hard time caring about the entire light heavyweight division. I've made no secret of that. I mean, it's not that there's not good fighters there. There are, but... Here we're looking at two guys who've been around for a number of years. I mean, Smith's been around. for uh, Not just fighting. I mean, fighting-wise, Smith... Jeez, younger than I am. He debuted in 2008. And he's been with the UFC since 2016. He was briefly on there before that. He had like a one-fight stint in 2013. Lost, came back in 16. And he's been there ever since. And... That includes stints around both middleweight and light heavyweight, including a title shot at 205. And some pretty decent wins. Uh, part of the problem with some of his wins is they're not great. It, his run-up to the belt, he beat, he knocked out Rashad Evans, who was way past his prime. Knocked out Shogun, also way past his prime. I mean, the most impressive win he had at that point at 205 was Uzdemir. It might still be his most impressive win, in all honesty. I know he submitted Gustafsson. But the bloom wasn't quite off the rose of, from Gustafsson in 2019. But I think looking back, you know, with, with the benefit of where Gustafsson is now looking at that, it's, it's, still not, it's still nothing to sneeze at. But I don't think it's quite the earth-shattering performance that we thought it was at the time. Uh, his last two wins over Clark and Crute. So, and Span, I mean, he joined off the Contender Series. He joined in, what, 17 or 18? He joined the UFC in 2018. He started fighting in 2013. Okay, so Smith, much longer, longer in the tooth as far as that goes. I really don't know who's going to win this. And sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's not as much a good thing. And here, I I don't know. 
Smith's a potentially violent, kind of rugged guy. He's pretty durable. But he's been slowing down a little bit. He's he's mitigated it. And I don't mean to pretend that his, he's, you know, one fight away from retirement. Uh, but he's, he's not quite... The decline has started, I think. Winning recent fights notwithstanding, he's started to show a little bit. And Span, I mean, he's only got one loss in the UFC, but that was to uh, Johnny Walker. He won earlier this year when he stopped Misha Serkinov. Span hits hard. If Smith were more of a wrestler, that might be more of a threat. Uh, he might choose to anyway, but... I think Smith's Smith's chin is also. I mean, that guy took a beating from Glover Teixeira. Literally got some of his teeth knocked out. Uh, and, and shame on his corner for not stopping it. I yelled about that plenty when it happened. I am. This is the first time Spans fought five rounds. That I mean, this is the kind of fight that is in all pro. There's a good chance it ends before that even becomes relevant, but on the off chance. Uh, he's fought five in in Legacy FC before it became the LFA. So one time back in 15, he fought five rounds and lost. I do feel confident saying the longer it goes, the more I favor Anthony Smith. He's proven himself to fight over long distances. Uh much more so than Span. Span early is still a problem. Not saying that Anthony Smith can't finish this early. He certainly can. But Span early... If I were game planning this, my general thought would be... Play it safe the first round. Try to wear him out a little bit. You know, try to clinch with him. Get his arms a little bit tired. Make him a little bit less dangerous. And then open up as the fight goes on. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to lean towards Smith, but uh, I genuinely, I, I don't have a strong feeling about that. I'm okay leaning that way. But that's your main event, and it, I'm going to go fairly quickly through the rest of these. Because this card suffered some, some setbacks. Uh, what have we lost here? Um... Uh, we lost Dana Bakary. He was supposed to fight Montel Jackson. That's out. Uh, that would have been a good fight. Let's see. Um, doo -doo -doo. Oh, we lost Jim Miller. That sucks, man. I love watching Jim Miller. I know he's not at all what he... There was a period of time, if you're a newer fan, Jim Miller was, at a period of time, maybe the best lightweight in the world. Maybe not the best, but you could make the case, and he certainly was one of the three or five. Certainly, at, one, at certain points, that you could make the argument. That man never even got a title shot. It's a crying shame. Uh, I know he's not at all what he used to be physically, but I still enjoy watching Jim Miller fights. And it, uh, he tested positive for COVID. So hopefully that's, not a, hopefully that's not a serious case of COVID, first and foremost. That man has enough health problems. But that does suck. Uh, yeah, we're we're dealing with we're dealing with uh, yeah. This is not the A squad. So your co-main event: Iwan Kutelaba and Devin Clark. I don't care about this fight. 
probably Kutelaba, but Kutelaba's he has not had a good run lately. I mean, he had the loss to Magomed on Kalaev that he complained about, and then the rematch went very, very badly for him. He's only got one win in his last five fights, coming off a draw. Clark, I think, is coming off of that loss to Smith. Yeah, he'd won two in a row before that. He got choked out by... Yeah. If Clark makes this a wrestling match, he'll probably win, but... I don't, I don't have enough faith in his chin, I suppose. I'm going to pick Kutilaba, but boy, that's going to be ugly. Uh, Ariane Lipsky will fight Mandy Baum. This was supposed... Was this always this? I, I think this was supposed to happen earlier, and they got moved to this event. Yeah, yeah, that's what happened. Uh, I think I picked Lipsky, but with a bit of a you know caveat that I'm not sure at all about that, and I'm going to stick with that, but still not sure. Uh, see, lightweight Armin Sarukin and Christos Yagos. What's Yagos done recently? One, two in a row. He choked out Sean Soriano. He's four and one in his last five, only losing to Dracar Close. That's nothing to. That's not anything to sneeze at. I mean, I'm picking Saryuki, and just let me throw that out there. Saryuki, and I mean, the man has two losses. One was his second ever fight. The other was a short notice fight for his UFC debut against Islam Makashev. And he still gave Makashev a heck of a fight. Uh, uh, yeah, Soryukian's a fairly easy pick here. It's not Yagos is not some kind of... He's not a cab driver they pulled out of the stands, but... Uh, they feel like they've got something in Soryukian, and I can't say I blame them for that. So this is... It's commensurate talent, but it's, uh, it's a chance for Soryukian to continue to shine. And middleweight, Joaquin Buckley and Antonio Ahoyo. Um, I'm going to pick Buck. Somebody pointed this out to me, and I can't... Un I, I have to point it out very just very briefly here. If you track... Th there's a weird connection of head kick knockouts forming. If you start with, It starts with Joaquin Buckley. He hit that beautiful jump-spinning back kick last year to knock out Impikasangani, who's actually on this card further down. Uh, knockout of the year, one of the best knockouts you'll ever see. Amazing stuff. Buckley's very next fight, he gets head kicked by Alessio DiCirico. DiCirico's very next fight, he gets head kicked by Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. There's a weird trail. In the first round, all head kicks. So whoever's fighting Abdul Razak Al-Hassan next, sometime before the end of the first round, throw the head kick, buddy. <laughs> That, that's some weird, some weird statistical anomaly there. Uh, I have no problem picking Buckley here. Uh, it's not that Ohio is bad, but the UFC still really wants to try and make Buck something out of Buckley. I mean, they tried by giving him DiCirico after that big knockout, and uh, DiCirico was on like a two-fight skate. He was something like one and four in the UFC. I'd have to double check. Uh, he was on. He was not in a good way, and then he showed up big there. So. Uh, picking Buckley here. That's all we have currently for the main card. There's a few of these... Again, some of these fights have fallen out, so we have some bouts that don't really have a placement on the card just yet. We'll get to those at the end. 
As for the rest of the prelims, uh, light heavyweight, we have Mike Rodriguez and Tafan and Chukwi. I'm okay picking Rodriguez there. Penny Kianzad and Raquel Pennington. Oof. Women's bantamweight needs an overhaul. Uh, I'm not trying to diss on either of these ladies, but Raquel Pennington's 33 and has been in the UFC since 2014. 13, technically. Yeah, 13. Uh, like, she probably shouldn't... Divisional turnover should have been such that she's not really in the UFC at this point. Kian Zod, um... He's on a decent winning streak, actually. I'm going to pick Kianzad. I'm probably going to regret that, but it is what it is. Bantamweight. Nate Ma uh I can't remember if he's Manus or Maness, so forgive me. I'm going to mispronounce that. And Tony Gravely. I kind of like Gravely here, actually. Uh, Gravely's... He had a rough debut when he fought Brett Johns, but he's rebounded okay. He had a really nice stoppage over Anthony Burchak. I don't think he was supposed to win that one. Yeah, I'll go with Gravely there. Let's see. Lightweight, Dakota Bush, and uh, Jurong. A few of these gentlemen that are just like one name. Uh, I know because uh, Alatong Hele is on this same card. And he also comes from like, that part of China where sometimes they only give you one name. Uh, which is weird to me, but... So anytime we get, you know, the way it's kind of westernized, they have to break it somewhere. But I'm pretty sure I've only ever seen this guy referred to as uh, one name, like Rongju, instead of Zhurong. I'd have to double check that, but I, I think he's one of those, like, one-named guys. And that's just, I think that's a cultural thing from that part of the world. Um, who's the other guy? Uh, another Chinese, uh, Sumu Darji, who I've... Again, I think he's just Su Mudarji. I don't think it's like Mudarji Su or Su Space. I, I I might be wrong about that, but that's kind of my my recollection. Um, I was not terribly impressed with Bush. Uh, I'll go with I'll go with Zhu, and we'll just see what happens there. Bantamweight Montel Jackson and JP buys. Jackson was supposed to fight Dana Bakary. Um, feel okay picking Jackson here. Yeah, I would have picked Bakari to beat Jackson, but on short notice, I will pick Jackson to beat the uh, now-stepping-in J.P. Bays. Women's flyweight, Aaron Blanchfield and Sarah Alpar. Is this Blanchfield's debut? It is. Her only loss is a split decision to Tracy Cortez. Hmm. I'll actually go with Blanchfield there. Might be wrong, but Alpar was a little bit just kind of iffy in her debut. Let's see. Welterweight, Impa Kasanganai and Carlston Harris. I feel okay picking Kasanganai here. Uh, he, he had a decent enough debut at Welterweight. He uh, submitted Sasha Poletnikov. Uh, which is not the easiest thing in the world to do. And let's see. Then, oh, geez. Uh, uh, yeah, I already mentioned this guy. But we'll have, have a bantamweight fight between Alatong Hele and Gustavo Lopez. Um... Let's see. Yeah, Alatong lost to Casey Kenny. His last fight, whereas Lopez, he got knocked out by Adrian Yanez. He was doing good in that fight, though. 
Uh, yeah, good first round, second round, a little bit more. Yeah, um, hmm. I'm actually going to go with Lopez. This seems a little bit more like they're trying to set up uh, Hele, but I Lopez showed some good stuff over his UFC career. He's only three fights in, but he's shown good stuff. He's just had some really tough matchmaking. Uh, women's strawweight bout between Hannah Goldie and Emily Whitmire. I suppose Whitmire. Neither of these women is in a very good spot. Actually, I should probably go with Goldie. Yeah, I'm going to go with Goldie. I mean, who knows? Uh, and a lightweight fight between Nicholas Mata and Cameron Van Camp. Mata was supposed to fight Jim Miller. I don't care about this. I'll go with Mata. Sure, why not? Don't. I don't really have a reason for that. I think they're I, they're both debuting, so I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, so that's the event. And Saturday, I will have coverage in the MMA Zone of 411 Mania, so please do stop by and say hello. I always appreciate it, especially on some of these cards. The, uh, the ability to just kind of talk with some people on occasion is nice when I'm struggling through some of these long cards. All right, let's move on to some of the news. This shouldn't take too long. Uh, I think the biggest thing of the week, uh, former Bellator bantamweight champion Kyoji Horiguchi uh, signed with Bellator. He was with Ryzen for the last little bit. He's a former he's a former Bellator champion, former Ryzen champion. He held both at the same time, actually. Uh, his record in Ryzen is... He only got one loss and he avenged it when he he pretty brutally knocked out Kayasakura in the rematch. I mean, he got stopped in the first fight, so... Uh, you might remember Horiguchi from his time in the UFC's flyweight division. His time in the UFC, I think, was 7-1. and one. His only loss was to Demetrius Johnson. And now he's fighting at bantamweight more so than flyweight, uh, just because he doesn't like cutting the weight. But the man is an, a more natural flyweight than bantamweight. His success up at 135 is a serious indicator of his skill set. Uh... It's a really good signing for Bellator. Horiguchi is maybe the... I can't say maybe the best bantamweight in the world, but he's one, maybe the best flyweight in the world. If you dropped him right now into a match with Brandon Moreno at 125 in the UFC, I might actually favor Horiguchi. Now, that's not saying Brandon Moreno couldn't win that fight at all, but I might favor Horiguchi. Uh, if you were to rematch Demetrius Johnson right now, actually, I might favor Horiguchi, too, and... Uh, I have all the respect in the world for Demetrius Johnson. But I think that's kind of where they are in their careers right now. So, really good signing. Uh, I imagine he will get that title back. It's currently held by Sergio Pettis. And I, I certainly don't mean to imply that Pettis is some kind of, you know, rube. But I that's how highly I tend to think of Horiguchi. He's really good. So I... Uh, I'm look forward to see, looking forward to see what he will do. Horiguchi is... He's one of those guys that you should go out of your way to find his fights. He, he has good fights. Uh, let's see. Slightly sadder news for those of you older MMA fans in the world. Jason Mayhem Miller was arrested on charges of, I think it was domestic violence. Uh, man, if you're if you're a newer fan, you may not have any idea who Jason Miller is. Um, but he's been around, he, he's been retired for a bit, but yeah, just sucks to see, man. He's had some issues in the past. Um, he was, uh, for those of you who don't know, 
He fought a lot. He had one fight earlier in the UFC. He was uh, George St. Pierre, actually. I don't think he was George's first UFC fight, but I think he was like his second. Uh, he spent a lot of time in Dream and Strike Force, and he had a fight with Jake Shields where he almost submitted Jake Shields. Uh, Shields was a little bit saved by the bell in that round. He had a Miller had a rear naked choke lock, didn't pretty tight. Uh, he came back to he hosted he hosted an MTV show called Bully Beatdown. Uh, back in the day. It's a weird show, but uh, uh, he's you know, had some really kind of infectious personality. Uh, he was the co he coached a season of Tough. Wasn't he opposite Michael Bisbing? That was right around. That was either like the season. It was like the season after I stopped watching, or I stopped watching somewhere in the middle of that. Yeah, yeah, he did. It was him and Bisbing. I remember. I uh, had a terrible fight for the coach's finale. He had not, he almost like nothing for Bisping. Um, yeah, it uh, it sucks. I hope he I hope he gets the help that he needs because he's had some other kind of issues like this. He broke into a church, I think, at one point. He's just he's had some problems. So I hope he gets the help that he needs because if you were around in you know the slightly more wild west days of MMA. You were probably at least passingly familiar with Jason Miller. Uh, all right, let's see. Oh, okay. Uh, Olympic gold medalist and reigning NCAA uh, Division One champion in his weight class, Gable Steveson, has apparently signed a deal with uh, WWE. He had kind of been courting some different options, talked with WWE. I think he had some meetings with AEW personnel. He showed up at a few MMA events to talk with different promoters. He, his stated position is that he wants to do both. Uh, and apparently the, the UFC's offer to him was something like what they did with Greg Hardy, uh, which was, you know, we'll kind of, we'll kind of, you know, pay your fees, but get some, get some experience on the regional scene. And then we want to feature you on the contender series. And... He somewhat understandably passed on that. Uh, I think the line, the joke line I saw on Twitter was, "Whoa, whoa, we, you expect to come in here with your gold medal and just immediately make Greg Hardy money," <laughs> which is so true. Like it's clearly a deliberate exaggeration, but are we going to pretend that that's not true? I mean, the UFC pays Greg Hardy significantly more than they pay most of their fighters. It's, oh God, it's funny. Here we have a guy with, I don't want to pretend that Greg Hardy's not an athlete. He is, but here we have a guy with a combat sports background who just had a, if you didn't see his gold medal, his gold medal match, watch it. He scores that final takedown to win the gold medal at the literal last second. It is a great, great match. He's a, uh, he won at, I forget the exact weight class. It was either heavyweight or super heavyweight. I believe heavyweight. He's a he's a thick guy. He's not the tallest guy in the world. He's certainly not short. But he's, uh, if you've never seen his backflip celebration for a guy that's kind of built like him to pull that off, he is an athletic freak. Uh, his deal with the WWE will apparently allow him to finish up school and actually defend his uh, NCAA title. So he's going to continue amateur wrestling. While he figures out the pro wrestling game, they're going to go through the effort to train him while he's at the University of Minnesota. So, uh, 
I wish him the best. I hope he makes a lot of money. Uh, and there's a... Let's also not pretend there's that this somehow closes the door on him trying MMA at some point in the future. He very well still might. But the UFC... They don't have to do anything. Uh, pretty much for anybody. You know, when you're basically a monopoly... Or a monopsony, if you want to get really technical. When you have that much market power... You don't have to accommodate anyone. And who does the UFC have to accommodate? I mean, they don't even have to accommodate someone like Connor. There might be, you know, Connor's the closest that someone is to having leverage within the UFC, but, you know, they don't. If you want to come in, they don't have to accommodate anything that you want to do. If it's very mutually beneficial, they will. But short of that, they don't care. And they've made that stance abundantly clear so it also does need to i think it needs to be said about the contender series i've said this i prefer the contender series certainly to something like the ultimate fighter which is a bloated mess that serves no purpose other than to try and build to a title fight that should have had it anyway and should just that should have a it's it's a promotional tool more about the coaches and trying to hype their fight than it is anything to do with the actual fighters. That's been true for a while. It's also just kind of a stupid, bloated waste of space. I don't... I freely admit this. Um, I don't represent the average MMA fan. I'm fairly I'm fairly confident of that. If you're listening to... If one of you is listening to this and you disagree, I, I appreciate that. But I, I quit watching The Ultimate Fighter, like I said, around the time of the Bisbing and Miller season. It was either midway through that or immediately after that season. I can't remember exactly. I think it was in the middle of that season. I just kind of gave up. So I haven't watched The Ultimate Fighter in a long time. But not only, not only do I not watch it, I don't know anyone who's watched it in any of, like, a long time. And not only do I not know anyone personally, I don't know... I know of, like, one media member who has said that they watch it. I think Aaron Bronstetter is the only one I've seen mention that he watches The Ultimate Fighter. And if he enjoys it, or he's required to for his work, whichever, you know, God bless him, I'm not... This is not a, judgment, a value judgment at all. But I don't know anyone, and I don't see people talking about it. Almost at all. So I prefer the Contender Series. That said, the Contender Series is a bit of a puppy mill, isn't it? We bring all these guys in, and at this point, the UFC just signs whoever wins, basically. I mean, Dana White doesn't even care at this point. Uh, But they sign them to deals that are probably better than what they were making at, at the regional scene, but are still dirt cheap, all things considered. I mean, most of those people that they sign come in at, like, what, 20 and 20? Ish? So they're not exactly breaking the bank on this property. And then that allows them to restock the roster and cut the guys who cost them more. That's how that works. It's part of the reason you see a lot of these uh, contender series guys fight so often so quickly because they sign X number of fights on their deal and they just want to burn through those as quickly as possible and try to get a better deal the next time. Which Which ultimately just serves the UFC's desire to keep its content machine churning more so than 
you know, the UFC at this point, while it still has the majority of the best fighters in the world in each of the respective weight classes, it also doesn't really have the kind of prestige that it used to. And, you know, if you used to be, if you fought in, getting into the UFC itself was hard. It's not, I'm not saying it's easy now, but it's certainly not what it used to be. They produce so many shows and have so many fights that have to be on each show. And they're constantly trying to juggle injuries and travel issues and illness and whoever they're pissed off at at the moment. So they're just not going to offer them fights. That having a ready, having a puppy, having their own puppy mill, basically, helps keep the machine churning. So... Which is just to say about Gable Stevenson, the UFC also does kind of want to promote this. If they're going to have it done, if they're going to do it, and it's going to be featured on ESPN+, and it is, and they're going to, I mean, they're getting paid for this, they do want to, they have recently, uh, credit to uh, Kaposa, Grabaka Hitman, for pointing this out, there's some names that have just been featured on recent episodes that, you know, six years ago would have just been signed outright uh, from other promotions and whatnot. And, you know, they tried to leverage Greg Hardy. If they were trying to leverage, you know, Gable Steveson being as part of the Contender Series to generate some interest for it, I mean, I don't... I can kind of see the logic, but it also does kind of seem silly to lowball someone of his athletic ability that much, but I don't know. I don't see the UFC's numbers. I don't operate in their reality, so... Like I said, for Mr. Stevenson, best of luck to you, sir, whatever you happen to do next. God, you know, I don't have a bad thing to say about that man. He has turned in some great amateur wrestling matches that I have enjoyed watching. Uh, last thing, still sticking with you know areas of the UFC and their signings. Uh, former Glory kickboxing champion Alex Pereja signed with the UFC. Pereja is notable for being the only man to knock out uh, Israel Adesanya. They had a kickboxing... They had two kickboxing matches. The first one was a split decision that went to Pereja that, if you can find it and watch it, I kind of thought Adesanya won, my opinion. But I'm also not deep enough in the weeds on kickboxing scoring criteria to be able to say that with any authority. That's, again, my... Just watching it and kind of what I've seen other people say. Uh, their rematch, he was losing pretty handily before he did land. He's got a wicked left hook, man, and he knocked uh, Adesanya out. Uh, Pereja has done some MMA fights in the past. Uh, he had one fairly recently, in fact, and he had his last kickboxing fight not that long ago, which, eh. It was on the, it was on the same card that uh, Badr Hari got head kicked. Oh, God, that was nuts. He was beating the crap out of his opponent, whose name I, I can't pronounce, you know, a Polish gentleman. And was going in for the finish and just kind of got hit with a head kick that didn't even look like all that much. Like, it doesn't even go really through the target. It smacks him upside the head. And it takes him a second, and then he just kind of falls over. And I mean, he was, it was a clear knockout. Like, I'm, not, this, I'm not disputing the stoppage but at all. Just a weird-looking finish, uh, but that same card, Pereja had his last glory uh, kickboxing fight. He's already signed with the UFC, so they'll be bringing him in at some point in the near future. He fights at middleweight, uh, so he will be in that same division. I don't think he's going to do anything like what Adesanya did, 
Now, if you look at Adesanya's kickboxing style, it was much more kind of designed around being able to transition into MMA. If you watch kickboxers who fight purely kickboxing, there's the whole style is very, very different. And I don't just mean like pure technique. I mean, there's a whole philosophy that's different. Uh, most kickboxers just kind of get after it. That's really not the way it works in MMA. Uh, and if you watch some of the high-level kickbox the kickboxers who have transitioned to MMA, they do a lot of the feeling out process, which is not as much what you do in kickboxing. So uh, I don't know how successful his transition will be. He's also a lot older, but it's something to pay attention to, if nothing else. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on. All right. Uh, the, let me check Twitter one last time, and if that is clear, then we will do plugs and get out of here. Nothing new, so let's go ahead and get into plugs. This last week, I was part of a review for... Oh, Marvel's Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So if you're interested in that, myself, Mark Radulich, Alexis Haina, and David Wright got together, and we talked about that movie, The Good, The Bad, The Otherwise. Uh, this coming week... I will be part of the Damn You Hollywood for James, the James Wan movie that dropped on theaters and in HBO Max. i reverse that. On HBO Max and in theaters this last week. Uh, called Malignant. So Mark and I will be talking about that on Tuesday. I anticipate a rollicking good time. Uh, sort of. Um... Let's see. Last week, I also did the kind of usual slate of professional wrestling, AEW's Dark Elevation on Monday. I uh, wound up pinch-hitting for Tony Acero on Wednesday, so you can get my thoughts on AEW's Dynamite on Wednesday, because MLW is still not releasing new content at the moment. And uh, WWE SmackDown on Friday, which turned out to be maybe the best episode of... That might be the best episode of weekly wrestling television I've watched in a while. Uh, not to say perfect, but definitely the best SmackDown in quite some time. So you can get my full review of all of that. This week, same deal, pretty much. Dark Elevation on Mondays. 8 MLW on Wednesdays if they release anything. And then WWE on Fridays with the UFC event on Saturday. So all of that is available in the in uh, 411 Manias, Wrestling and MMA Zones. My other podcasting ventures can be found over on the W2M network. You type in Damn You Hollywood into your, into your podcast search, you'll probably find that particular podcast. So... I'd appreciate any and all support you can throw my way on any of those. All Again, as always, deeply appreciative. That is it. Until next time, thank you all very much again. I deeply appreciate you. Next week, we will have a review of UFC on ESPN Plus 50 and a preview of the big pay-per-view UFC 266. Featuring two title fights and the return of Nick Diaz. Not Nate, Nick. Nick Diaz last fought in... I uh, fought to a no contest with Anderson Silva in 2015. January of 2015, to be more specific. So he will be ending an over six-year layoff. Jeez, um, over six and a half. So, yeah, he'll be fighting Robbie Lawler in a rematch. Those two fought in 2007, I want to say. Four. Good grief. Why did I think Seven. The rematch is 17 years old. That was it. So, yeah. 17-year-old rematch coming for... <laughs> between those two. Uh, yeah. So, we'll have a full preview of that card next week. 
Hope you'll be back then. Until then, as usual, and as always, thank you once last once bleh, thank you one final time. Stay safe out there and continue to be well, be safe, and behave.